0: Chapter 16. Sorry, Matthew chapter 8. I'm getting ahead of myself. Matthew chapter 8. It really is good to see you all. Um, I had it in my head that the service started at 10 o'clock. So I was looking around the room at 10 too, thinking, well, there's only about five people here. So you must have heard it's me and you've all gone somewhere else. Um, and uh, anyway, you're all here now. So that's super. Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to read from verses 18 through to 27. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Father, we ask you as we read the scriptures, Lord, minister to our hearts. Feed us, open your word to us. Lord, let it be to us living bread. Let it be to us living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, write your word upon our hearts. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, we pray. Amen. Amen. Then a scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead, or allow the dead to bury their own dead. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, What kind of man is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. Praise the Lord. The thing which I have on my heart to share with you this morning is to take a look at this, I suppose, very well-known, very familiar um, account from the Word of God of the disciples uh, going into the boat with the Lord and going across the Sea of Galilee. And, and all that befell them and all that the Lord did um, as they took that journey. And what I propose to do, God willing, is to actually look at all three gospel accounts where this story is recorded. Um, it, it occurs in Matthew, Mark and Luke. And um, the first thing to say about that is that each of the gospels brings out slightly different details, as to what happened and it's really good for us to understand that where we see an account repeated in different gospels and particularly where the details are different that is not because they are there to contradict one another but rather they are there to amplify one another do you understand that please don't think oh this isn't quite Matthew says something different to Mark there must be a problem not at all and this is a very common thing. Any, any witnesses to a particular event or a particular scene will see it from their own perspective. Uh, something particular about it will be impressed on them. And, of course, in this instance, the Holy Spirit himself uh, draws certain details through each of the folk who are involved and who are there. Uh, and the Lord knows that he needed to get several witnesses together to bring us the full picture of what he wanted to convey to us about any particular account in the word of God so please don't be troubled if you see differences as I say they are then to amplify one another and give us the full picture and so I will be flitting between all three gospels you can follow it through Matthew of course go to the others if you wish but we often launch into verse 23 I suppose about when he got into the boat but I think it's very good that we see the context Um, which really starts from verse 18. And it says this, interesting. You see this time and again in the ministry of the Lord Jesus, that he was having gathered around him. And actually, quite the contrary, it appears that at times he shunned the crowd. And actually he wanted to get away from the crowd, because as he did that, the disciples came with him. And this thing is, is the first thing that really is on my heart to, to bring this morning. And I think, in a sense, an element of it already came through our brother earlier on. That call to come off the fence and to follow the Lord. And this is the issue. You see, so often a crowd would appear where Jesus was. And he would be teaching and particularly if there were miracles taking place, if the Lord was healing and if he was giving mighty deliverance to people, a crowd would often appear. And yet Jesus knew, we're reading in John chapter 2, what was in the heart of men. And there's an extraordinary, an extraordinary verse there I'd just like to refer to. In, in, at the end of John chapter 2 it says, When he was in Jerusalem, this is verse 23, in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs which he was doing. Notice why they believed, they observed the signs. But Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men by concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now, verse 23, where it says, many believed in his name, and then verse 24, which in my version says, Jesus was not not entrusting himself to him, that is the same Greek word. It's quite extraordinary. So you could read it like this, many were committing themselves to Jesus, but Jesus wasn't committing himself to them. Or you could even say, many believed in Jesus, but he, on his part, did not believe in them. And this, I think, is a striking thing. You know, we, we, we perhaps often have the focus, do you believe in Jesus? And of course, that's an important question. But I'd like to suggest to you, the bigger question is, does Jesus Christ believe in you? And the thing is, we believe in what we, we deem to be real, don't we? And if we think something's false, we don't believe it. And this is exactly the same here. It holds true as regard whether Jesus believes in you. And the issue this morning is, is your heart real towards God? How real is your, your commitment, your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? God knows Sunday Christians. And he knows those who are seeking him all the day and all week long. And the crowd... We'll always be full of a mix of people, but in the crowd there will be those who doesn't believe in, because there's a lack of reality about their faith to get real. We dare not sit on the time for us to come off the fence and to choose to walk with God. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. You see, immediately, the Lord is beginning to sift. It's quite extraordinary. And someone says, oh, follow you wherever you go. And here again is Jesus knowing what's in man. And he just says, well, actually, I have no idea. Dead people do what dead people can do. There are certain things that only those who are alive in God can do. And we need to give ourselves to those things. And that's not to say that we can just discard all our, our earthly commitments. We have commitments to our family to provide for them and, and all those sorts of things, things that it is right for us to do, of course. But really what it's saying is, don't allow other things to get in the way. It's so easy to want to sort of tie up all the loose ends, isn't it? It's, Lord, I will but, or Lord, first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And dear friends, there are certain things that only living people can do. And we need to give ourselves to those things. And stuff that dead people can do, let them get on with it. The spiritually alive must be about the business of God. And very much seeking his His purposes. And so the Lord immediately, he's already sifting And you see this elsewhere. For example, it says at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verse 1, um, it says that when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Really interesting. He sees a crowd and he walks up a mountain. Climbing a mountain involves a bit of effort, It, it carries a bit of cost, there's a bit of work involved. And what's the point? It separates the crowd from the disciples. And Jesus always wants to do this. And again, he's saying to you, dear friends, you need to come aside from the crowd. There comes a time when we have to choose, I am willing to be in the minority. For some of you young folk at school maybe, you know, it it can be hard when the weight of the crowd, the weight of opinion is against you. But there's a time when God says, now it's time to come aside. It's time to be willing to step aside from the crowd and come with me. Dare I even say it, there comes a time we have to be willing to step aside from the crowd in the house of God, in a sense. Or should I say, what we call the church, in the general sense of the word. And come aside and follow the Lord Jesus. And he sat down and his disciples came to him. Isn't that lovely? And so we are here in verse 23. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And so this separation has now come between the crowd and the uh, disciples. Let me just say as well, uh, the context in, in Mark is, is very similar. But the if you like, the sifting that goes on... Uh, we see that this episode followed, uh, as given to us in the, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus had been teaching in parables, and, uh, and, then, and then we get this account of them crossing the Sea of Galilee. And it's so interesting here again, it says, I'm just reading to you now from Mark 4, verse 33, with many such parables he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. It's, to, it's the disciples to whom the Lord Jesus explained things privately. I think that's precious. You know, if you really set your heart to be a disciple and to seek the Lord Jesus, and you go aside uh, and carve out that time to seek the face of God, he will come and explain things to you privately. Isn't that lovely? There's a scripture that says he is intimate with the upright. And that's beautiful. And the Lord is looking for people he can do that with. But he doesn't do it with the crowd. And maybe you've heard people say, isn't it great? You know, Jesus taught in parables. He taught in everyday language to make it accessible to everyday people. He spoke in terms of fishing and farming and uh, that sort of thing. And actually quite the opposite is true. Jesus taught in parables, the scripture says, to conceal truth from those who are hard of heart. And he explained that truth and revealed it to his disciples. Amazing. So if you want the Lord Jesus to explain things to you privately, if your desire, if your hunger is for Jesus to feed you and instruct you, then discipleship's the only way. He told us not to cast pearls before swine. He's not going to do the same quickly himself. So may the Lord enable us to commit. And you'll find, as you set your heart to seek the face of God, He will come rushing in to meet with you. As much as the uh, the theme of your camp, that sounds good. I might have to pop along myself. <laughs> So he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And again in Mark it says, On that day when evening came, and you see what happens with those who've chosen to follow the Lord Jesus they they go on a journey. And this was not going to be an easy journey. And the disciples didn't know that at the time and sometimes we want to be able to say yes I'll follow you lord as long as i know that everything is going to be okay but it, the lord doesn't promise that and and he's looking for those who are willing to trust him and say yes lord i'll get into the boat and go with him and it's interesting that the scripture says that it is when evening came he said to them let us go over to the other side and there's two very precious things there sometimes folks evening has come nights seasons come upon us and they sh- will certainly come upon disciples so if you are finding yourself in a night season dear friends, if things have suddenly become dark, if things have suddenly become hard fear not and don't be tempted to think I must be out of the will of God everything is going wrong it might actually be the sign that you're exactly where God wants you to be Because this is the path of discipleship, and this is where Jesus takes his disciples. And folks, evenings come, and as much I could say about that, the Lord has been really, I suppose, sharing a few things with me at the moment about night seasons, very precious things. I'm not sure they're for now, but the night comes. And he said to them, and this is very good, from Mark 4, verse 35, let us go over to the other side. And that is glorious. Because at the outset of this journey, Jesus has declared the destination. And it was not a watery grave in the middle of the Galilee. He said, let us go to the other side. That's the destination. And that's wonderful. And I want to say that to you. Because maybe everything's fine. Hallelujah. But sooner or later, storms will blow up. Maybe, dear friends, you're in the thick of it. And you are getting battered by the waves and the wind right now. I want to say to you, Jesus has already declared the destination. And it's the other side. And you see this all over the word. Passing through The valley of Bacca. They make it a spring. And that's those whose hearts are set on Zion. It's exactly the same thing. This is is, uh, Psalm 84. Those who are are set on pilgrimage. Disciples, essentially. Those who want to go with God. Those who who are determined to go God's way. It says, passing through the valley of baca the valley is there dear friends that means the valley of weeping but what happens they go through it they don't get stuck there and if you're in a valley i want to encourage you folks you're going through this is not the end god will bring you through he will deliver you out of all your troubles as we were reminded this morning And what do they do? Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The valley becomes the spring of something new. It becomes the very source of a whole new experience of God and a whole new life and a whole new reality and a whole new ministry even. It becomes a spring. David also said, didn't he, when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, but again, I go through the valley. Be encouraged, beloved. Jesus has declared the destination. And then it goes on in Mark to say that leaving the crowd, and then we have it again, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. That's Mark's account, chapter 4, verse 35. And I love that little phrase they took jesus with them just as he was how is jesus in your sight if i can put it like, if i can put it like that is jesus enough are you prepared to take him just as he is you know folks sometimes we can want to bring jesus plus something Jesus, Jesus plus life jackets. <laughs> a flare or two to, to, to bail you out when it gets too tough. We, we can want Jesus plus a guarantee of favourable conditions. My, these, these, they took Jesus just as he was. And then that, the reason is he's all you need. You can afford to take him just as he is. And don't try to impose conditions upon God. And take him, I also say this, take him as he presents himself in the scriptures. You know, we read that God created man in his image. And it seems that in much of many places, man is busy creating God in his image. Well, folks, take Jesus as he is. Do take the Jesus of the Bible, won't you? Be very aware of anybody who tries to present to you a different Jesus. Have nothing to do with it. Take him.